You're listening to Destined Women Ministries, the podcast. Enjoy. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Destined Women's Ministries podcast. God bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Use my mouth. Speak to your people. Edify your people. Let it be no flesh. Let it be all your spirit. Lord God, we love you. We are here for you. We want to hear from you, Lord. And we're asking that you speak in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to the name of the Lord. So y'all, I want to get right into this where we left off last week. I know we're supposed to be going into the hell testimony, but I'm going to ease into it just to um, give you all a little bit more of what I've been going through. I call it the Ecclesiastes journey, something that I've personally been taken on by the spirit of the living God. And as we're making these decisions, I know I use that scripture where Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. And I use the scripture, um, you know, to explain some of the things I went through. But I also want you to know that Jesus was able to overcome that temptation by using the word of God. So when we're faced with decisions that we need to make, we need to be able to align what we are saying and feeling and the decisions we're making with the word of God. And that is our measure. And as long as we're being led by the spirit of God, then we are the children of God. And you all, um, thanks so much for sharing your feedback in the testimony section on the website or on that community page on the YouTube channel, or even in my email. Thank you so much. I'm happy to know that the past two lessons really resonated with you. So we're going to get into this, um, this, this next part of this, this lesson. So I remember, um, having this dream. Okay. Um, let me give you a little backstory. Um, you basically know, but I was making choices. I had made decisions and was coming to conclusions and on this journey of trying things and weighing things and finding out what actually works for me and what would not work for me, what was in God's will for me, what's not in his will for me. And after making these choices and everything like that, I I had this dream. In the dream, I had this large group of people with me. Honestly, it was group. It was a group of men and women, and um, they were actually following me. And there were two paths or two roads, one on the left side, of course, one on the right side, one going north, one going south. In the middle of this road was a cement divider. It was flat, almost like a sidewalk that you could walk on. And there was on one side, um, I would say some type of barricade that would come down similar to what we would see when we were about to cross a train track. And so this barricade, it came down to let us know that we could not go any further. We had to wait until the trains went past. So there was one barricade and then right behind, and that was directly on the path. But then in the middle, there was also a barricade that said, stop, don't go any further, right? Or, you know, wait until the traffic passes. And so we waited for a while as we seen the train go past and we're waiting and waiting and I'm in front of everyone. And then I move ahead and I say, listen, y'all, everybody's going to be fine if you just 
go up further. Um, just, and so what I did was I didn't travel on the road. I stayed in the middle. Okay. I stayed in the middle and, um, I turned around to see if anyone was following me on the middle and everyone looked too afraid to go on this, this middle path that I decided to travel. I said, okay. I went past that barricade that was on that sidewalk like structure. And, um, I walked on this middle this middle cement pathway in between these two roads, right? And I moved more towards what in the dream was my right side and the ground opened up. Now on the right side, that's where all the traffic was. That's where the train um, went past, but not just the train cars, also buses and like trolley looking things were going uh, past on this side. And it was so noisy and it was so loud and there was a lot of movement and there was a lot of activity, okay? But the ground opened up, okay? And I remember at first, um, you know, being apprehensive about looking, but then I went further and I said, you know, I will be fine. I'm not going to fall in um, because I could already see from the way it initially opened up. It opened up very wide. Um, the dirt and everything, it just kind of opened for me to see what was down there. And then I decided to move a little closer, knowing that I was not going to fall in and it opened up enough for me to get a good look at what was going on in the center of the earth. And I saw this fire, these flames, this type of supernatural fire that's just it's difficult to describe you all. Um, I've seen it before in another uh, dream that I had, and I told you all about it on YouTube several years ago, but it's just this hellfire, and it's different from Earth's fire, even though, of course, there are some similarities. Um, there was this fire, right? And the, the whole entire place was completely full. It was full from seemingly top, even though I couldn't see into the bottom because the bottom was so dark. It was full to as much as I can see. I knew that every part of this place was just packed up. Um, there were people in what I would describe as the walls. It was completely full. The way this thing was shaped, it was like if you were able to get out of this place, you still couldn't get out of this place. It was just everywhere and it was so packed, but there was like infinite room for more people. Okay. And there was pitch black darkness. You could not see, see, however, what was so like, I, it doesn't exist in this realm is it was that type of darkness. However, there was still flames, the flames of fire and the light that gives off. And people were in complete torment. People were naked and there was so much activity besides the movement of these people in the flames and their screams. There was so much torment. So we think about the busiest um, place. You can think about 42nd Street um, in New York City. You can think about the busiest place ever. Hell was more active than that place. Hell had so much stuff going on. There was constant movement, constant noise, 
And there was a parallel between the, the loudness and the shaking and the activity of trains going past and buses going past and all that stuff to the fact that hell is more active. I don't want to say just as active. I'll say hell or just as active are more active than the activity on earth. There are things actively taking place right now in the center of the earth, in this place where there is torment before that final judgment where death and hell um, are thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, um, this is not uh, a joke. This place is real and it can be difficult for us to imagine the severity. You know, we, we're driving in our cars and we're at the supermarkets and we're enjoying time with our family and our friends. And we have no idea that just beneath us in this spiritual realm that's far more real than what we're experiencing, there is torment unimaginable. There is a place called hell. And this place is real. And it is full. However, it is still infinite room for more souls. It is pitch black. However, it is inflamed with the light of this satanic or this supernatural. I won't use the word satanic. Um, forgive me for that, Lord. This this hellish supernatural fire. It's not a fire that we've ever seen. This thing is like, I, I uh, for a lack of better words, it's, it's like it thinks it's it's just this engulfing flame where it's everywhere. There's no space. There's it's just flame, fire everywhere, like shaped up like something, like just all fire. And um, I looked down into it and I saw all of those things. And then I woke up and I woke up saying, wow, I, I did just see hell. Okay. And um, it took about a day, but eventually I went into prayer and I said, okay, God, how, what does this have to do with me? You know, you know, I have spiritual experiences and I don't feel like everyone is an experience that I'm supposed to share. Um, you know, I still have a relationship with the Lord and he still shows me things and speaks to me about things and everything is not, um, you know, to be taught or to be revealed. Some things are just for him and I, um, you know, to know and for me to grow from. Um, so I wasn't sure initially if this was something the Lord wanted me to share. So, but I knew it had some significance because God is not going to show you something like that for no reason. And so I thought about myself and I said, Lord, okay, what does this dream have to do with me? Why did you show me this? And I said to God specifically, what do I have to do to avoid going to this place, to avoid being in this place forever? What do I have to do? Okay. And the Lord began to speak to me about some things and he eventually told me, that the decisions that I had been making were all just that serious. And just like in that dream where I was in the middle, that's where I had been. 
None of us want to be in the middle. None of us want to be in the middle saying, it's not that bad. It's okay. You know, you can follow me this way. Nothing is going to happen to you. Absolutely not. We have to be hot or cold. We can't be in the middle. We can't be figuring. It's okay to have seasons where you are observing and you're proving all things and you're holding fast to that, which is good. And you're experiencing life um, uh, by way of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But you don't want to play the middle. Okay. You don't want to settle in this gray area of, I am uh, able to do whatever I want to do. I'm a Christian. Let me try this. Let me try that. And very well, some things may be okay for other people, but those same things may be a, a hell bound choice for you. And you have to know who you are and you have to know the way God has set you apart. Remember, this is all going into teachings about consecration. These are things you have to know as a child of God. Okay. You have to know who you are and what God wants from you and how you find this out is through prayer. And you have to be humble enough to know. And this is something God has shown me over the years with these hell experiences that I have, that it does not matter if the person sees hell. It does not matter if the person comes back and reveals all types of mysteries to the world and tells people that Jesus is Lord and what they can do to avoid that place. Those very same people can still bust hell wide open when they die. If they don't live a life according to the will of God, I have seen this. The Lord has actually shown me this just like he, um, he, he showed me, uh, hell in this. He's also shown me what I am saying to you. And what comes to mind is that scripture where Paul says, you know, I was caught up to the third heaven and you know, whether in the body, I knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And I saw things that were just too wonderful for me to even come back and describe and to speak to you all. But this same Paul says, I, I bring unto my body and I keep it in subjection unless after I've preached unto others, I myself be a castaway. It does not matter if you've been preaching. It does not matter if you're anointed. There are things that you can do and choices that you can make that will land you straight in the pits of hell. Not because God wants you to go there, but because you stepped out of his will and you made some poor choices. We thank God for repentance. We thank God for grace. But if nobody ever tells you, let Tiffany tell you today, hell is real. And I'm not one, I'm going to preach whatever God tells me to preach. Okay. So I ain't even going to say, I'm not a doom and gloom. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm going to bring the message the way God tells me to. Okay. Um, these are these, these hell experiences that people have, you know, sometimes I feel like we take them for granted. Sometimes I feel like they are fabricated, but I'm telling you what I've seen. I'm telling you what I recently saw. And I'm telling you that hell is a real place and it is possible for well-meaning people to end up in that place. It is possible for well-meaning people to end up in hell. And that's not what I want for you. That's not what I want for myself. So I'm doing the same thing Paul said he's doing. I'm keeping myself in subjection. As a human, there are things that I'm going to want to do. There are things that are going to appeal to me. There are things that I may want to experience and be involved in. But Lord knows 
I'm going to keep myself in subjection. I'm going to bring my body into subjection unless I'm sitting here preaching to you. And then in the last day I'm cast away. Absolutely not. I am going to fight to make it into the kingdom. I'm going to do my due diligence to take it by um, force and, um, you know, to take it with violence. I'm going to do what I have to do to work out my salvation with fear and trembling because hell is a real place. And how do we measure what, what we're doing? So, you know, you all today, and I, I I've said this so many times, I pray it's as easy to get into heaven as some people say, like, honestly, cause then we good. But I know there are some scriptures that says things like, you know, um, we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive for the things we've done in this body. You know, there are, are scriptures that says, you know, the righteous be scarcely saved. Now that is bothersome. God's righteous people are barely making it in. God's righteous people are barely making it in. So tell me where we get to play the middle at. You do what God is leading you to do. Do what God is leading you to do. I would suggest not to put any unnecessary and undue stress on yourself. Enjoy your relationship with the Lord. But I'm here to tell you a message that Jesus told to his followers. Hell is real. It's a place that exists and it's very possible for us to go there. Now, there is this um, standard that each and every one of us has. Um, our standards are our standards given us uh, given to us, excuse me, by God, and it is given to us as individuals. So we all measure our life by Christ. We all measure our life by the word of God. It's great to have people that we look to as examples in the gospel, but ultimately we have to have a personal relationship with the Lord to know what his standard is for us. For each of us, there is an individual standard. So for me, there is an individual standard. Do you hear me? For you, there is an individual standard. And God is not going to give you a standard that is outside of your realm of accomplishing. He's a righteous God. So if it's something that he called you to, then that means it's for you and you can do it. Turn with me to Matthew, the 25th chapter. I'm going to move quickly. Verses 14 through 15, the English standard version. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one, he gave five talents, to another, two, to another, one, to each according to his ability. God is not asking you or requiring something of you that is outside of your realm of performing or giving. God is asking you to do what he has equipped you to do. Whatever the standard is for you is what you need to fall into and find comfort in because it's what God has called you to. And as I've explained to you, he got me to a place where I had to choose to follow this standard from my heart because that's what God is after. Even though God says, you know, I want you to obey me. These are things I want you to do. It has to come from your heart. Okay. And so, um, listen to what happens when this standard is not met. Okay. We're going to read verses 24 through 30. 
He, it says, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even that he has, even what he has, excuse me, will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That means God has given this person, or he gives us the example of one person with uh, 10 talents and five and one, okay? And he expects them to do the, the things that they have the capacity to do. He expects them to meet the requirement or fulfill the standard that he's left them based upon his individual standard for them, based upon what he's placed in them, right? When a person, and it just so happens that this person didn't even have much that God was requiring of them. You see the person who had the 10, how they increase. You see the person who had the five, how they increase. But here we are with someone who has one. And they don't even do anything with the one. And Jesus says that this person is worthless. This person who refused to add to my kingdom, to bring to my kingdom, to live up to this standard that I have given them. And I know based upon what I've placed in their hands that they were capable of fulfilling it because I would not ask them to do anything that's beyond their capability. This one is worthless to me. Now we can think that this is a game and that this is a joke, but this is an actual parable that Jesus spoke. We can think that it's harsh to hear, but again, Jesus put it in his word. So it's something that we must know. The worthless servant is cast into outer darkness. That place that I've been telling you about in this, in this episode, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The servant, the one who knew God, the one who knew that God had given them a task and an assignment and a standard as an individual who did not meet it, who did not do it, who made excuses, who didn't want to do what God called them to do, who didn't take it serious, who was not willing to sacrifice to make sure that whatever God required of them, he got it. That one was thrown into outer darkness. We don't want to be that one. And I'll just make it personal. If I didn't make the right choices for my life as an individual, I would have been that one where God would have said, you knew what my standard was for you. You knew what I required of you. Why didn't you give me what I asked for? Why didn't you fulfill the requirement that I gave for you? So that dream came right after I made the choices. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to wear that. You know, I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing to do this from the heart, Lord Jesus. 
Okay. And this is what God wants from all of us. He simply wants us to do what he has called us to do. He doesn't need us adding to it. He doesn't need us taking away from it. He doesn't need us running from it. But we thank God we serve a patient Lord and that he will work with us and he will work on us so that he can really work through us. Okay. Amen. Amen. Another scripture that came up um, concerning this dream and the choices I've had to make. And we all as individuals have our own choices to make. This scripture is Matthew 7, 14 through 15. It says you can enter, and this is the New Living Translation. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. There is only a narrow gate that will get you into the kingdom. Imagine that. Imagine the scale down of flesh that has to take place for you to be able to fit through this narrow gate. Now the highway to hell is broad. Keep the flesh. You don't have to scale down anything. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You don't have to change in any way. As a matter of fact, add on because this highway can carry and sustain all the flesh and all the extra stuff that you want to take with you. And it said in its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Because there's a bunch of people entering in through the gates of hell. But the gateway to life is very narrow. Now we enter into life through Jesus Christ. There's not many ways. The gateway to life is very narrow. Okay. And you can't be in Christ and in the world. Okay. And and then he says, and the road is difficult. Can we pause? Did I not explain to you all in the past episodes that Given the opportunity now that there were things that I actually remembered, hey, I did like that. Hey, look, no, no, let, let me try this on. I look great in this. Oh my goodness, I, I would I would love to have my tongue pierced again. I thought that thing was cute, okay? I would love to do this. I would love to be able to put that on. And then when I started to measure out that thing, there was something about it I said, you know what? I can't. Even if, you know, I, I, I can't put that on or I'm choosing not to, even if I'm choosing to give this up, these things would probably make me feel great. These things would give me and get me so much attention. Y'all have absolutely no idea. Okay. I could put this on and I can go out into whatever the main city is, wherever I am and go ahead on and get whoever I wanted to get. You know, if I wanted a little self-esteem boost, confident boost, whatever, let me put this jumpsuit on, honey. Okay. The road is difficult. Now I'm not saying everyone has to do what I'm doing. You are an individual and God has his own standard for you. It becomes difficult sometimes for us to humble ourselves and accept the will of God. But the Bible says, that this road is not an easy road to travel. That means I remember uh, my pastor, a, a previous pastor in the church where, um, you know, I was first really saved. 
um, really gave my life to the Lord. She said, if things are going really good for you, she said, um, my pastor's wife, she said, go back because you forgot your cross. There is no easy, easy road to Calvary. There's no easy road to your flesh being put on the cross and you dying. There's no easy road. It hurts. It's bloody. It's heavy. It's a difficult road. But if any man wants to be the disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to deny yourself daily, take up your cross, whatever that is for your life and follow him, follow him. Where's he going to Calvary? Put that flesh to death. The gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. This road is difficult. There are things that you will have to sacrifice. There are things that you will not have. There are things that you will have to give up. There are things that you're going to want. There are things that you're going to have to deny. There are ways that you will have to deny yourself. Yes, there are so many great things about this road, I must say. I must say the scriptures, if you suffer with him, you're going to reign with him. You know, Jesus humbled himself, wherefore he was highly exalted. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord and due season and due time, he's going to exalt you. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He inhabits the praises of his people. If you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. And all of that, the scripture remains, the road is difficult. That means in life, sometimes there will be some things that will make you want to look back. But you have to remember that Jesus gave us a remedy in his word that says any man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy. Can you imagine of my kingdom? So I'm going to say this again. I hope I'm clapping now. I hope it's as easy as some people say it is to get into the kingdom of heaven. I hope that you can just go through those doors because those gates of heaven, because you're well-meaning. I hope it's that easy, but from what I'm seeing throughout scripture, God requires you to humble yourself, sacrifice, carry a cross and meet the standard that he set for you. And if you don't, I see in scripture, I'm just saying what the Bible says that the worthless servant the one who doesn't count that standard as serious, that servant is cast into outer darkness. You all take the word of God serious. Take the word of God serious. You have to know what God has called you to. As I laid out uh, before the Lord in prayer, as he was talking to me about some things and the decisions that I had made when I brought this dream before him, there were things where he was saying, you have been making these, um, and I'll paraphrase in a, in a sense, these life and death situations, um, uh, not situations, excuse me, choices. You have been making these, like these serious choices. You didn't even know that you were being tested. Even the thing with Sabbath came up and what the Lord said to me was you have to observe it. I want you, this is, this is for you. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. Doesn't matter what anyone else believes. This is the standard that I've set for you. And I teach that standard, you all, 
for those who God has set that standard for. So you can have understanding as to why God would call us into that type of covenant. But listen to me, you all. God is serious about the standards he set for us. And we have to remember that it's not just about the way we feel today. But I often think about this day that's coming that I'm living for that I'm choosing for, that I'm sacrificing for, that I'm fighting for, well, I will stand before the throne of God and I will be judged for everything that I've done. And Lord knows I don't want to stand before him naked and in shame, but I want to stand before him clothed in all white and happy and feeling like I'm about to enter into my home. I want to see myself preaching the gospel. I want to see myself baptizing people. I want to see myself denying myself. There are times when I think, Man, when this when this day is played back for me, what would I rather, what would I want to see myself doing? If I'm standing next to Jesus and this day is played before me, how will I want to handle this person? I fight to make sure that I exude godly love. Sometimes I absolutely fall short because of my flesh. In those times, I repent and do everything I can to rectify that behavior. And I rectify it according to the word of God. And I thank God for every situation that is uh, not pleasant. <laughs> I had to think of a good word. I thank God for every situation that is not pleasant because I'm a very reflective person. So when I go into prayer, I don't just run my mouth. I know how to sit down, be quiet and allow the Holy Spirit to play my choices, my words, my conversations, my heart, my, my whatever I experience throughout that day or throughout the week or whatever. I, I allow him to play those things before me so he can tell me this was not good or you were well-meaning, but this person did not like this or whatever else the Lord wants to show me uh, uh, about the conversations that I, I've had or the things that I've done. And I do my due diligence to live right according to the word of God. If it were up to my flesh, absolutely not. But it's not up to my flesh. I dictate my life by God's word, by God's word. Absolutely. Absolutely. His word convicts me. Absolutely. His word constrains me. I allow his word to take hold of me and to change me and transform me and guide me. Okay. Glory to God. Um, because in my own flesh, I will destroy everything, including myself. So this word is always an anchor for me. And this word is always a blueprint and an outline for me. It's more than just quote the Bible It's more than just doctrine. This word is Jesus. This word is what I have to know. This word is what I must do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For each of us, there is an individual standard. And so I came into contact with situations that caused me to weigh out whether from the heart I really wanted to keep this standard, whether I really wanted to live up to this standard. Just like Adam and Eve, they had a choice. They knew the standard, but they still had a choice. And I, I take it all the way back to when the angels fell. The angels had a choice. And I believe that all of God's creation made in his image has a choice to make. And the choice is whether we're going to follow him the way he wants to, us to follow him or not, period. And we already know, just like for the angels who fell, just like for Adam and Eve, 
There are consequences for not following God the way he says. Okay. So, um, you all take heed to what God wants from you. And if you don't know, I encourage you, just like I've been encouraging you all for years, have a real relationship with God. Have an authentic prayer life. Go before the throne of God. Build an altar before God's throne. Make sure you keep communion elements in your home. Keep the crackers. Keep the juice. Take Partake of the Lord's body when you feel so led, just for deeper intimacy, you all. With this ring, I... I brought myself into a personal covenant with God. It's more than just preventative measures to keep away the wrong people and to help me to make um, you know, better choices. That it is, but this is symbolic of a personal covenant, not just the new covenant that we're all in, but this is symbolic and a reminder that I've told Jesus that there are some things that I'm going to do. And you know what the Bible says about vowing a vow before the Lord. I knew exactly what I was doing because this is my heart's desire. The things I said to him and Jesus in turn will have expectations of you. When you come to him and say, I want to be in a personal, a me and Jesus kind of a Tiffany Simone Brown and Jesus Christ covenant just for us. This is what I want. My whole life, everything I have always dedicated to you. It doesn't matter what you give me. Doesn't matter what you reward me with. Doesn't matter. I want to serve you all the days of my life. And these are the things that I vow to you. Jesus is worth it. You all, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is awesome. He's all in all. He's the best friend. He's the bridegroom. He's the father. He's the intercessor. He's the savior. He's the redeemer. He's the bishop of your souls. He is the chief shepherd. Jesus is everything. And I have vowed to give him everything because that's what he deserves. And he's worth it. Jesus is worth everything. So it is a horrible thought that one day any one of us could end up in hell. But I think the worst part is that is the thought that we could be separated from such an amazing existence forever. I understand the torment and all that stuff, but it's the separation from God, his peace, his joy, his, at his right hands, there are pleasures forevermore. Separation from the pleasures of God and the love of God and, and, and all of this, this, all of these wonderful fruit and this, the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding, just, uh, just the ability to have faith and believe the, the, the ability to hear from him and to, even if you don't hear anything to pray and know that he hears you and that you have the petitions that you've asked for. I can't 
be separated from him. And I know there's a scripture that says neither death nor life nor this nor that and all these things. It says can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But there are things in this life called some call sin that can absolutely separate you from God's presence. You'll still have his love. Prayerfully, we'll all still be under his grace, but you can be separated from his presence. And I think all of us who have entered into error, a backslidden state or um, some type of sin in any kind of way, whether it's unforgiveness, whatever, um, we have felt that separation from God and it doesn't feel good. It feels like you're suffocating. It feels like you have no hope. And I can't imagine that times infinity in hell forever. So whatever God wants from me, I want to give it to him. You be sure to take care of those beautiful relationships that God has blessed you with and placed in your life. But you be sure that God is the number one ultimate God is serious about eternity. And he sent me here today to remind you of that. We get so caught up in this thing and that thing and this situation and that situation and this person and that person. You know what I'm saying? We get so caught up in so many things. We get so caught up in our feelings. And I feel like the enemy uses our feelings to play us and to fool us. This is why Jesus says, walk in the spirit in that. If you, if you do that, you can operate in absolute perfect love. Absolutely. The Bible says in, in Colossians and it's around, it's in the third chapter. And I would say like verse 13, 12 around there. It, and I believe it's the new living translation. It says, make allowances. Can y'all imagine this? Make allowances for people to mess up. I'm a, I'm going to go to the scripture right now because let me tell y'all something. People can offend you. People can hurt you. This is the biblical remedy. Listen, make allowance for each other's faults. Do you know that sometimes people are going to mess up? Do you know that sometimes people are going to hurt you? Do you know that sometimes you may get your heart broken? Do you know that regardless of what happens, you still have to humble yourself and love them? Make allowance, make space. Don't have unrealistic expectations for people. Make allowance for each other's faults. Yes, your spouse may be at fault. Make space for that because the Lord knows you were at fault before God today for something. And we want to repent and we want God to forget about it. But when somebody does something to us, we want to hold it against them forever. And then it goes on to say, and forgive anyone who offends you. It doesn't matter who they are, a believer, an unbeliever, a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, a family member or a stranger. Forgive anyone who offends you. Listen to this again. Make allowance for each other's faults. This is Colossians 3 and 13. I'm reading the New Living Translation. And forgive anyone who offends you. These are scriptures that we have to keep in our hearts and we have to keep in our mind because offensive offenses, they come. And scripture says, Jesus said that it must needs be that offenses come. Woe unto, unto them by whom they come, but it has to happen. Offenses are going to come. Glory to God. But there is a way that we handle these things with forgiveness. Listen, I forgive you. You may have done something that I didn't like. 
You may have said something that hurt me, but I forgive you. I've made allowance for you to do these things because you're a human just like me. And scripture goes on to say, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If we want to be like Christ, then we have to be forgiving. 14, it's just so beautiful and so poetic to me. It says, above all, clothe yourselves with love. Jesus. One more time. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Cover yourselves with love. Put love on, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. When we are clothed in love, this thing called love, this spirit called love, thank you, Jesus. When we put this spirit of love on, it literally binds us all together in perfect harmony where I'm not going to be against you and you're not going to be against me because I love you. I'm not going to talk about you. I'm not going to do you wrong because I love you. I'm not going to ignore you. I'm not going to reject you and treat you like you're nothing because I love you. And this love is going to keep us together in perfect harmony. Mm. And with that said, 15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Hallelujah. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Can you imagine that? That God says, I want you to always be thankful. Yes, I know what they did. Be thankful. Find something to thank me for. Find something to be thankful for in this situation. Find something to praise me for concerning their life. Thank you, Jesus. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We thank God for his holy word. We thank God for his holy reminder. Hallelujah. That hell is real. His standard is real. His word is real. Jesus is real. The things he has said to us are absolutely real. Okay. So I pray that this has blessed you. Um, remember God is with you. God loves you and he's given you a standard, but he's also given you what it takes to meet that standard. He's with you every step of the way. God does not want you to go to hell. He's long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. That includes me. That includes you. Jesus wants us to get it right. And every day he's helping us. I adjure you get quiet, stop talking so much and start praying, get quiet, get quiet and start praying. An intimate relationship with God is indispensable. It's absolutely necessary. You can't live without it. And, um, speak to him about everything that's in your heart. And wait for him to lead you. And if you feel like, hey, God may be silent, then this is what you do. Do what the Bible says. You all, when I first got saved, I did not have an expectation of hearing from God. You know, this is something that we have, um, we have accumulated and 
stepped into because, you know, we can go on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok and we can see people that seem so deep and seem like they're always hearing from God. But when I got saved, it was none of that. Okay. Um, and what my expectation was, there has to be something in the Bible that will help me to navigate through this situation or that will provide me with an answer to the situation that I'm currently in. And so anything that would happen, whatever went on, I knew to open my Bible. I didn't go to YouTube. I did not go to TikTok. I did not look on whoever I was following on Instagram because none of those things even existed besides YouTube. And I didn't think YouTube was a place um, to find spiritual information. I didn't know it to be that place at that time. And um, I would just go straight to the word of God. And I would let the word of God answer my questions. And I would have patience with the Lord as he worked things out for me. So I need you all to remember that God gave us the Bible. And you should know the Bible. When we know this Bible, we know Jesus. Because Jesus is essentially this Bible. The, the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the, the reality and the actualization of the New Testament right before us. He is all of that. And um, he wants us to know him by his word. And I always tell people that if you want to know God's voice, you have to know his word because it will teach you who he is and it will discipline you in what he sounds like. Because if it doesn't align with the word, and if it doesn't align with the nature that we see in scripture, then we can believe that it may not be him. So I want you all to just take this thing called life serious. I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to be blessed. I want you to um, enjoy the things God has given you. I want you to enjoy your relationships. And um, I want you to know Christ and, again, be blessed. I love you. God bless you. And um, it's in Jesus' name that I have released all of this. Amen.